You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, how are everybody doing? Jeff Lloyd, uh, Locked On Browns. A uh, lot going on here. Uh, normally you think a bye week kind of quiet, hopefully get some bodies healthy. But look, this is the Cleveland Browns. They don't do things small in any genre except maybe win. Uh, I told you this week we're going to have a lot of fun on the bye week. Uh, one of the longstanding Browns fans that I talk with a lot, kind of a brother from another type of thing, kind of the joy that uh, you know social media brings you. You find yourself in some other people, even if they are 3,000 miles away. Uh, does a, a really fun you know experiment every day with the the Browns daily mock draft. Uh, you know, trying to reshape this team. You know, here's a guy who's got a lot you know and many years here vetted in this team as a fan and just you know wants to see the reward. Uh, without further ado, Mr. Stephen Thomas, uh, comedian, diehard Browns fan. You know, one day you know I'll seek some you know help for this sick addiction. Stephen, glad to have you. What's going on, buddy? Thanks for having me, my friend. It is a a sick addiction. The only uh, uh, theoretical cure for Browns fandom is a Super Bowl win, but of course we've never been able to test that. So, look at it this way: you haven't lost. <laughs> My friend, it is. Uh, I, people often tell me every every week when the new wound happens, people tweet at me and and Facebook me and text me and everything, and they're like, "Oh, does it hurt?" And I say, "You know what? I've been a Browns fan for forty seven years. There's n- there's no hurt left. It's all scar tissue. There are no nerve endings in scar tissue. We are a tough bunch, man." Look, as I know, and you know, a, you know, lifelong Jet fan that I grew up here in New Jersey. And, you know, everybody, well, you won a Super Bowl. Uh, I, I was not around in 1969. I never saw Joe Namath play. I can care. Like, they bring Joe Namath out. I don't care. Who the heck is Joe Namath? You know, I mean, I still think, you know, this is the guy. That, if you Google Joe Namath, you're going to find him in underwear and mink coats. You know, that does nothing for me as far as, you know, you know, the Jets winning a Super Bowl. But, look, a lot to get to, and, you know, which is good, you know, having you on here, a lot of things but one thing I want to get to, and, uh, you know, you, me, Ryan Burns, you know, a bunch of other guys, Pete Smith, a lot of misconceptions about this franchise and where they're at right now. And it, what bothers me the most is that people think this team isn't good right now. Now, you who have seen, you know, absolute the drudge of the drudge of this team, give me a little feeling on where you feel as, you know, where they are with the roster, you know, as far as, look, you know, it's I would I don't want to use the term rebuilding because that means you were once built so maybe built but where are you now with this you know front office in you know year two of three? Well, that's what's so frustrating about what's happened in the last twenty four hours because I think the whole uh, McCarran situation, which I know we're going to get into, uh, very well could torpedo uh, everything that's been going on. And as far as the roster build, it's. You and I have had this conversation online so many times. It, it it's not nearly as far away as it seems. It's this roster is so much better overall than it was 22 months ago when this group took over. Um, but the problem is that their misses have come at the glamour positions, the quarterback and the wide receiver, and it masks in a bad way a lot of the good that's going on. I mean, if you look at it. Their front seven is, if not nasty, they're close to nasty. They're solid, and they're still very young. Their linebacking core has played well. Uh, They've got a group of cornerbacks who's playing far better than most people give them credit for. They're lacking a number one true shutdown corner, but they've got 
three or four guys who are solid twos and threes. They've had Derek Kindred playing very well on the back end. Who knows what Peppers is going to be? He, the jury's still out on him. So the defensive side of the ball has made drastic improvements. Now, if you switch over to the offensive side, they dumped, and you know numbers are what they are. They can be manipulated, but the, basically they dumped over a hundred million dollars into the offensive line this past year. And as long as Joe Thomas comes back for another year, I, I mean their offensive line is healthy. They've got uh, Seth Devalve and uh, David Njoku who. The jury's still out, but they both look like they're progressing into something. They've got Duke Johnson. Um, so the the big problems really, obviously, at quarterback and were, despite what a lot of people want to say, it's only been seven games. I, I don't think the jury's in on Kaiser yet. He hasn't looked good, but you can't write a guy off after seven games. And the wide receiver position, which is an absolute dumpster fire. But even there, people say, oh, they've done nothing. That's not true. Their first draft, they picked four guys. You know, I mean, they, they offered a very fair contract to Terrell Pryor, who has flopped in, in Washington. So they've tried to do stuff. They've just missed. And, and it's kind of a, a mathematical coincidence. It's weird that mathematically most of their misses have come at the same position. But because it has, and then the, the indefensible Kenny Britt signing, it, I, it, it makes it look so much worse than it actually is because they're 0 and 8 and they were 1 and 15 last year. And if you look at it, and again, you and I have had this conversation last year and this year, there's a half a dozen games that they should have slash could have won. And if even two of those fall their way, we're having a completely different conversation right now with regards to the front office and the coaching staff because although they still wouldn't be playoff contenders, two more wins. It makes a difference from the pressure and the noise standpoint where where somebody feels like they're backed into a corner and makes a last-ditch Alamo play like trying to force a second and a third for A.J. McCarron. That comes out of desperation and pressure and noise, and desperation and pressure and noise comes because you've got a year and a half of constant losing where everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. I mean, you just look at just, just the Vikings game. You and I had this conversation. If Miles Garrett is healthy, not to mention everybody else that was out during that game, but if just Miles Garrett was healthy, I firmly believe they would have won that game in London because the, they were surrounding Keenum, but they couldn't get home. And there were three or four third down conversions, at least just off the top of my head, where I know Miles would have got home and it would have ended the drive and they ended up in points. For the Vikings, so it's so close, and that's what's so frustrating about it. Despite one and twenty-three, it's very, very close. But I think they're going to have to do something, and so who knows what's going to come out the other side of this? Okay, uh, guys, we're going to uh, continue more with Stephen Thomas. A uh, lot of things to hit on here today, but like I said, uh, keep us uh, tuned here to Locked On Browns. We're going to hit it here on some fun stuff. Now, Stephen, uh, one of the things I want to hit on, and everybody seems so adamant about the problems as far as you know the skill positions which look I understand I'm not an idiot but if you don't have your quarterback in place it's kind of hard to say oh well we need this guy as a wide receiver we need this type of guy so it's when you're trying to rebuild you know and I I guess essentially you're going to say it's a passing game when you're trying to rebuild every aspect of it on the fly that is where you're going to run into issues because, you know, until you have your quarterback, you have no idea what kind of wide receivers he gels with. 
and you look a little bit, and look, if, if Kaiser's the guy, and let's just say, look, that obviously is maybe the plan right now today. They want Kaiser to become the guy. Sure. You look, you look at Notre Dame and, you know, what he did well there. Look, you want a guy, you know, Will Fuller, obviously, comparable to what Willer, him and Will Fuller did. You know, so free agency-wise, you're looking at guys like a John Brown or, you know, maybe a Christian Kirk. Look, there's no guy. Maybe Corey Coleman could do some Will Fuller-type things. Um, then you also look, you know, the big receiver, and you know, uh, uh, St. Brown, obviously, currently in Notre Dame. Obviously, they thought maybe they were addressing that situation with Kenny Britt. Kenny Britt, look, a New Jersey guy. You know, I, I saw him here at Rutgers. I've actually met him a few times while he was Rutgers. Kenny Britt is Kenny Britt. There's good Kenny Britt, and there is bad. I could not give two Fs Kenny Britt. Right. And if, if you're on a team where you're going to lose games – uh, guess what? That's the Kenny Britt that's going to show up, yep. especially a Kenny Britt who got the contract that he did. And, you know, and the problem is, is, you know, he's bringing guys down with him. First things first, if Kenny Britt and Corey Coleman weren't going to play in Houston, they should have been left in Cleveland. There's no reason for guys to go in there, especially a guy like Kenny Britt who has this track record of getting in trouble. So those are some things as far as that nature. So it's hard to rebuild this all on the fly. And Hugh did not help this situation by saying, all right, Deshaun, I said you can make all the mistakes you want to make, but i got to sit you down because you're making mistakes. Kevin Hogan, you're playing. Oh, Kevin Hogan, you made five interceptions and 75 passes. All right, you're going to sit. All right, oh, Deshaun, you got to sit now because we're going to play Cody Kessler for a little bit. Oh, my God, you threw an egregious interception. We'll play Deshaun Kaiser. So, you know, him yo-yoing what is supposed to be the position that he was brought in to solidify is not helping that nature at all. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah, and yeah. like you said, I think they gambled on – because if you look back over Britt's career, uh, he's – like you said, there's good and bad Kenny, and good Kenny is – I mean, you know, he's not an all-pro wide receiver, but he's a, he's a good wide receiver. And I think they gambled on getting good Britt to show up for 10, 12 games. They lost. They lost that gamble. But that was the gamble. You could You can at least see what they were thinking. Now, it obviously hasn't worked out, and, and there's no reason for him to still be on the roster at this point. I can't believe they haven't cut him, to be quite honest with you. But that's what they were thinking going in. So, again, it's not that they haven't tried. They've just missed at the wide receiver position. And you're right, it does. It's a symbiotic relationship with the, with the receiving core and the quarterback. And it goes both ways. If the quarterback play is poor, it can drag down the wide receivers. If the wide receiver play is poor, it can drag down the quarterback. And I think there's plenty of blame to go around. I mean, you know, Deshaun has obviously missed a ton of throws. He's been, he's been streaky at best, but he has made some really good plays and hit guys between the numbers in crucial third down red zone, what have you positions that they have flat out dropped. And some of them could have turned games. Um, now, obviously, there's no guarantee that he, he wouldn't have, you know, on the next play, as he has shown that he can do, thrown a horrendous interception. He's been terrible in the red zone. But it's not that he hasn't made any plays. So when you start piling all of that up, it just it's like a snowball. They this guy's playing bad and then this guy drops. And so he tries to force another ball to this other guy and it becomes a bad decision and then so on and so on and so on. And it just snowballs on itself. So you're absolutely right. It's hard to evaluate the, the skill positions. And then you throw in the fact that Crow has not 
progressed at all. So they really haven't had a running game. Um, even when they have called a lot of runs, which has been rare, they, they haven't had a running game. It's really hard to evaluate what's going on at the skill positions. Um, but so when I, when somebody says, Oh, it's, you just got to get a quarterback. I say, you know what? Kaiser hasn't played well, but if you're saying he's the only reason you're wrong, sorry, there's plenty of, of bad going on out there right now. Yeah, well, and that's what I, I saw a lot of today, you know, as far as, you know, whether or not, you know, they were going to make the move for McCarron and, you know, how it all fell apart. And, you know, well, Hugh needs some weapons. And the problem I have is, is, well, if you want to say Hugh needs weapons, why doesn't Deshaun Kaiser need some weapons, which aggravates a living daylights out of me? Um, you know, look, you, if you get past Kenny Britt, who was a former number one pick, and look, you kind of just eliminate Corey Coleman from this, you know, obviously this conversation because he's been out as long as he has and his time he has. I think we do have some belief that Corey Coleman is a fixture in this wide receiving core. But, you know, look, you do have to kind of look over your shoulder a little bit and say, look, yes, we do think he's part of this, but, you know, he's got the MO of the injuries. But you look at the rest of these guys and, you know, you got undrafted guys and you've got third-day picks and a guy you cut and maybe practice squatted and then brought back. There's a reason these guys were drafted as late as they are. There's a reason these guys are who they are. They can't create the separation. You know, as far as Deshaun, if you want to handle him the correct way, now you look at this guy, big, strong, rocket arm, and now you want him to dink and dunk you. Well, you knew these were his weaknesses. You know, if if anything, you maybe use him in the capacity of, you know what, we're going to throw a YOLO ball once a quarter. So, you know, that's the only thing I can think as far as that nature is concerned. You know, maybe see once a quarter, we're going to throw the big one. And then maybe work off of that. You know, at least so you're keeping the defenses honest. You know, if he's going to throw it 70 yards and it ends up just falling on turf, that's fine. You know, you got to get the wildness out of that rocket arm to expect him to succeed a little bit as far as in the short and the intermediate game, especially when you're featuring two tight ends. But that being said, uh, Steven, look, uh, yesterday, my God, uh, the monotony. And look, I didn't need this. I had to take the girls trick-or-treating. There was a lot of things going on. And then this A.J. McCarron snowball, you know, meteor just drops out of the sky. Who was right? Who was right? Who was wrong to blame? Was the trade the right way? First things first, you're not trading those picks for A.J. McCarron. So if somebody said, I'm not putting in this fax because it's dumb, A.J. McCarron is a restricted free agent, eight games. You know, why does Hugh want to maybe win one, two games? But uh, give me a little, you know, thought about, you know, the tidal wave, snowball, whatever you want to, you know, label it that went on late yesterday afternoon. Well, it's incomprehensible, isn't it? I mean, it just, <laughs> it was one of those things where that was a Brownsy thing. You just go, I, what, why, why, where did this come from? Uh, I mean, the trade deadline passed, nothing happened. We were all a little disappointed that they didn't make any moves. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, however long it was, this bomb drops out that I, I I cannot fathom a second, and I didn't believe it at first. I mean, I think you and I agreed that that, that was, but no way. That, that's got to be, you know, unsubstantiated rumor. There's no way anybody in their right mind would trade a second and a third for A.J. McCarron. And it turns out that that's apparently exactly what happened. I can't believe, like you said, that they're that desperate to win maybe two games. And, you know, let's talk about that for a minute. What has A.J. McCarron done that you think he's going to come in and win two or three games. I, I mean, what does he what does he do that Kessler doesn't do? I, I I don't see it. I mean, now I could be wrong. I'm not a. I don't ever pretend to be a quarterback evaluating guru. I have my opinions and I put them out there. But 
what has he done? He could he could turn out to be the greatest quarterback ever, but there's nothing sitting there that that points to that. There's no metric. There's no measurement. There's there's nothing that merits a second and a third. Garoppolo got a high second. You know, I, I, I mean, think a second and a third. Look at the draft coming up. And look at the guys in the where the second and the third is. I mean, that's two top sixty-five picks. You think you think AJ McCarron is better than two top sixty-five picks? I can't, I can't even wrap my head around it. This is what's been going on the past twenty-four hours. It's hard to form sentences about it. Now you want to get into the other side of it, the backstabbing within the office. Was it a power play by Hugh? Did the front office come in and deliberately torpedo it and delay and all that? I have no idea what happened all there. It, there are some things that seem to make sense, but I don't pretend to be that in tune to it. But but from a football standpoint, if there's a reason to trade a second and a third, if there's a reason to trade a third for A.J. McCarron, someone please tweet at me, at Brown's Mock Draft, and tell me what it is. Because And I've seen some people say, oh, well, he's better than anything we have on our roster. Well, first of all, we don't know that. Second, that shouldn't be your bar. Better than anything on our roster is still not, quote unquote, the guy. And that's what you should be going for if you're trading a second and a third. OK, if you just want somebody better than our on our roster, there's probably 25 guys out there, you know, that are that are better than what Deshaun has shown, at least, you know, currently on our roster. You want somebody that's just, quote unquote, better on than, than what we have. And you just want a win, want to win two or three games. Go sign Colin Kaepernick. Exactly. Uh, it, it doesn't cost you any draft picks. Sure. You're going to get, you know, there's going to be the controversy. But at, I, I think signing Colin Kaepernick is less controversial from a PR standpoint than what happened with A.J. McCarron. I mean, you can defend easily signing Colin Kaepernick. You can't defend what happened yesterday. No, but not by any means. And this is Locked On Browns, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Your host, Jeff Lloyd, on Twitter, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, And that's the thing. Look, I mean, if you wanted to win a couple games and you want to know what, you would have won over a majority of the people in America, all those people who, you know, and look, Colin Kaepernick, I, it, the thing I give him a lot of credit for is because, you know, he's giving up his own money. And right now he is not making a dime. He is standing up for what he believes in, which is, look, probably what we need a little bit more of in America right now. Um, and, and if trading a second and a third to get A.J. McCarron was your motive, then you want to know what? Take those first five picks and draft five quarterbacks. Yeah, at least give me strength in numbers. Don't give away the picks. Because you think A.J. McCarron's the guy. You want to know what? You could have done this deal last year if you thought A.J. McCarron was the deal. You could have called Cincinnati the year before and said, we'll give you three pick, three future picks because we think A.J. McCarron's the deal. Because I guarantee you, Cincinnati didn't bat an eye at him. The only reason he played is when Andy Dalton couldn't. So that means nothing in practice with that regime. And Marvin's been there for the entire time. It's not like a new coach came in. You know, nothing, nobody there in Cincinnati ever said, you want to know what? I really think we need to play A.J. McCarron. That's never happened. That's never changed. So why give away those picks? Why don't you keep those picks and then just draft two more quarterbacks? You have six of them in the room and say, you want to know what? Until somebody shows me they can do it. I don't know who the quarterback is here. Uh, But we're going to continue on. Uh, Steven, we have some things we'll get to next time. You know, I'm definitely going to bring you back. 
Um, but we do have some listener questions. We have some other things we want to get to here. Um, all right, so let's start with this here. Uh, let's see what these guys got for us. And this is Aaron Jones. Aaron, I talk with a lot. This is not the Green Bay Packer running back who I hope goes off for 250 yards on Sunday <laughs> to win me some fantasy money because I can really use it. It's been a downtrodden year that way. Um, we're going to start with this, though. And this is the thing. And this gets back to the McCarran deal and what's going on with that. Look, eventually we're going to have to choose here. You know, you're going to have to pick a side. I put the tweet out today. I put the poll out, you know, whether it's Hugh, you know, whether, you know, Cleveland fans want him or not. And I got to be honest, that's over 800 now. And it's like 52% for letting him go, 48%, 48% for keeping him. But I think you're kind of with me on this one. Are we moving guys from the front office or are we just, you know, we've seen enough of Hugh and maybe he is not the guy for a complete rebuild? Well, it's 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 hard for me to to choose a side on this because, as you know, I'm very much a you signed up, you committed to a three year plan. You see it through. You let them see it through because this is the year. If you look at it with the picks that are coming in the cap space, this is the offseason where they go after those skill position guys. And this is where you fill in the final pieces and the edges of the map finally start to unblur. So my preference before yesterday would have been to stay the course with everybody. After yesterday, if half of the backstabbing stories are true on the McCarran trade, there's just no way practically that I think that can, that can happen. So if you're going to force me to pick a side, I'm going to side with the front office on this one. Because as we talked about before, the roster is so much better than it was. And you can see the plan. You can see where they are in the plan. You can see what's going on. Um, so I would. I, I think I'm with you. I, I'm assuming you're with me. I, you'd side with the front office as well? Well, yeah. See, my, my issue here is, look, you're, you're already 0-8. So 1-15, he is now 1-23. Look, five and, I, don't, I can't keep a head coach if you give me a 3-29 in two years. I'm sorry. If that's the record, and I, even as grand as the picture looks at the end of the road, you know, maybe the maybe the thought process here, you know, and maybe this, look, and look, you can blame the front office, maybe. If you brought in Hugh and your game plan was, we're going to start with defense first, then Hugh was a bad hire. Uh, which right. is, you know, it, it's it, it's that's fair to Hugh, you know, and you can take some blame on the front office, but you want to know what? If you're the front office, we're the front office. We did the part, you know, our plan so far is working. We may have, you know, put Hugh in a position where it was bad for him. But, look, I'm going to cut bait here. If you wanted to tell Williams, you want to know what, the job is yours. You know what, you were long in this league. You have plenty of contacts. Maybe I'll give you the reins. You find me the offensive guy. Maybe we'll be able to work that way. But I just do not think the marriage between Hugh and this front office is working currently. I think, and especially yesterday, didn't help. And look, Hughes leaking things, whether it's through Mike Silver, whether his daughter and Mike Silver are out on Twitter, you know, putting things out there, which are making the front office look bad. If I'm in the front office, I got to move on. Uh, now, again, Aaron Jones hit us with another one. If the Browns have the number one pick, and this is strictly quarterback, and you have to select a quarterback, who is it? Steven, I'll let you go first on this one. Wow. Um, you have to select a quarterback. Uh, well, it's really early. Can we at least stipulate that at the beginning that it's November 1st and this could change? Timestamp, um, of course. Um, well, my top three right now are uh, Rosen, Jackson, uh, and Baker Mayfield. But if you're going to put a gun to my head, 
with the roster as it's currently constructed, I'm going to give Lamar probably a slight edge because they have no wide receivers and he can create things with his with his legs. Um, now, if Coleman comes back healthy and Josh Gordon stays clean and is the old Josh Gordon, then maybe that shifts to Rosen because you've got guys who can play competently, well, above competently, really, uh, you know, at the wide receiver position. But if you're going to force me to pick at this moment, Lamar Jackson is my QB QB one by a nose over Josh Rosen. Um, now for me, you know, I won't go too in depth on the other guys. Uh, I was a Sam Darnold guy pretty much, you know, coming into the season. He was my guy. I'm not saying I soured on Sam Darnold. I knew there was going to be a little bit of an issue this year because he was transitioning, you know, almost the entire wide receiving core. And look, he's, you know, the interceptions are up a little bit. Yes, that's not good. Obviously, that's not what you want to see. Um, Cleveland, you know the fan base a little better than me. If you're ready for brash, then by all means, you're going to love Josh Rosen because <laughs> Josh is a smart kid. Um, he's, you know, he, he grew up with, you know, intelligent, affluent parents. He's got a good head on his shoulders. He's going to tell you what's on his mind. So be ready for it. But I would go Josh just because I think he has that. And even still, and now here's the thing now with the Josh Gordon news today, with him, you know, obviously being eligible later in November, you could go into camp next year and you could have a third down offense of Seth DeValve, David Najoku, Josh Gordon, Corey Coleman, Duke Johnson. Wow, if I'm just slipping Josh Rosen into that, that that's a, that's a, that's, a, that's a pretty picture. I mean, obviously, Cleveland has a ton of capital, free agent money up the wazoo, a ton of draft picks, so they can only continue to build off that. But you look at that, for me, I'm going to say, wow, I'm going to take maybe the most accomplished passer who I think at this point is, and I'll take Rosen, even though, you know, you get some of those Eli Manning, YOLO, you know, what in the world did you just do passes? Right. But they seem a little bit, you know, less than what everybody else is doing right now. Look, Baker Mayfield, as exciting as he is and as much as I want to see him. Look, one of the problems I had with putting Deshaun Watson in Cleveland last year, I said Houston was the perfect place for him. You know, the velocity was a little bit not what everybody else's was. If The worst thing you do is to take – and look, the weather is not what it used to be NFL-wise. I mean, we, we should prove that by playing a Super Bowl in New Jersey. But maybe I'm still a little old school on that avenue. If there is a guy who's a little bit smaller or his velocity isn't what others are, don't put him in a position, you know, where weather can be a factor and things of that nature. That's my only hitch on holding back Baker Mayfield. If it turns out that maybe that mid-first round pick and every box is checked, you know, the Houston pick in first round, maybe I'm okay with that. Or 33 or 34 with that first, second round pick, I'm probably even more comfortable with it then. But putting a six-foot kid, even I'm not even sure he's six-foot, you know, that high of an investment in him, it still rubs me a little bit, makes me a little bit nervous. Uh, next up. His perfect spot for me would be uh, New Orleans. Um, Absolutely. Not only because Drew Brees is one of the smartest quarterbacks, but is there anybody better other than to learn how to be a six-foot quarterback in the NFL than Drew Brees? I, I, I think it's an absolutely perfect situation for him and for the Saints. Uh, quite frankly, if, uh, if if that's where he ended up. And I think it's a nice move on from Breeze, who's, you know, he, Breeze is more the company man. Baker comes in maybe trying to do the same things, but he comes in with a little fire to him right. where it's not like I'm replacing Drew Breeze. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm my own person. 
Right. Uh, next question we had, and this was the one that threw me off. I'm driving home with the girls. You know, I get this question. What's Josh Gordon's contract situation? I'm like, what in the world? Where in the world did this come from? And then, you know, obviously, you know, my Twitter was blowing up. Um, look, Josh Gordon, obviously, for, uh, you know, one month of the season, he's getting peanuts. He is on your payroll next year for $1,068,000. Um, Steven, I'm not letting Josh Gordon walk away. It's, you know, it's, he's my problem child. Uh, you know, everybody, look, when you, I, you know, I'm a parent, you're a parent. You love your kid to death, even though you're not always thrilled with the decisions they make. I'm keeping Josh Gordon because, A, number one, I don't want him to come back and shove up my wazoo. Or if he finally does blow it all up and, you know, look, you got to find your own way here, kid. Go find your own way in life because it won't be even – it won't even be a matter anymore. But, Stephen, you had some good points earlier on, Josh, so go ahead. Yeah, jo- I'm with you, um, and I've been this way. It's funny because, you know, in Brown's fandom, we've had this conversation, I think, 316 times over the past four years <laughs> – if he comes back, you know, what do you do? Well, at this point, uh, you're right. I, he's either going to succeed here or, or nowhere else because as it stands right now, I mean, and they could change it in the upcoming CBA when they renegotiate everything, but as it stands right now, his next uh, uh, failed test is basically you're gone forever. So there's no risk there. Um He's, he's either going to come back and become the guy that he was, which is, let's be honest, gold jacket level talent, or he's going to come back and not be any good, in which case, whatever, you cut him, you've lost nothing, or he's going to screw up, in which case he's out of the league. But like you said, at least he doesn't go to Pittsburgh or New England or something like that, and then we have to watch that. Now, as far as will he be or won't he be, oh, and can I just say something to I think the fact that it took this long for him to get reinstated and that it's three weeks from now and not now, and the, which means that his contract will not roll over and he will still incredibly be on his rookie contract, I think that was behind the scenes finessing from those in certain positions. Uh, I think that was intentional. I think it was done because they want five game. They want a five game tryout to see if he can be the same Josh and to see if he can stay clean. I think they finagled that, and that leads me back to yesterday's McCarran debacle. I don't believe that that was a screw up because if they can pull off something like what I think they pulled off with Josh Gordon's contract, there's no way they just forgot to send that in. Okay, they, that was intentional. But that being said. Let me just say this about Josh, because this is where I've been for a while now. It has, in fact, been four years since the 2013 Josh Gordon that we all want to remember existed. You hear guys in this league who have missed six games say, man, it's hard to get back into game speed. And you can practice all you want on your own, but there's nothing like game situation. You just can't do it by yourself. It's been four years for this kid. Now, he's a world-class athlete, an elite talent and he's only 26 years old so he could very well get back to that but there's no guarantee that he will there's no guarantee that he will be the josh gordon that we all love and remember from that 2013 season where he ran away from everybody in the league now if he comes back and is that guy if he comes back and he's 75 percent of that guy 
he's a better than anybody on their roster. He's immediately wide receiver one and B better than half the league. And if you look at it with him and Coleman, like you said, if they come back and they are, we're projecting here, but they are what they are, it allows everybody to slide back into their slots because he's the one. Coleman now is the two. And now you've got a group of guys in Higgins and Treggs and uh, maybe even Coates or Case and Williams. They're much more suited for the wide receiver three and or four roles. When you put them up against the other team's cornerback one, they're going to get removed from your offense because they're just not that kind of guy. A wide receiver room, I've always sort of looked at it the way you look at a bullpen. When the closer goes down and everybody has to slide up one spot, they're out of their natural positions, and sometimes they don't do as well. And a wide receiver is the same way. The wide guy like Gordon is used to looking across at Richard Sherman and you know, and, and getting the best of them half the time. Um, a guy like Casey Williams is not, and they don't have the skill level to do it. So him coming back and being the guy allows everybody else to go into their more natural roles at the wide receiver two, three, four position or, or whatever. You know, and like you said, with Njoku and DeValve and Duke and everybody else, now you've got some real weapons. So if you've got that, and then you put insert quarterback name who can deliver the ball properly to them, you've solved a lot of problems because as we said earlier, the rest of the roster, not completely done, but no glaring gaping holes anywhere. So if you figure out those two things, man, you're cooking with gas in a hurry. Yeah, and I mean, imagine the defense in that spot. Imagine the defense, you know, with, uh, oh, wow, we're up 14 nothing. Oh, guys, pin the ears back. Let's have some fun. Let's exactly. let some receivers up. Let's have some quarterbacks. I mean, look, you know, and that's the thing. Look, the big picture of the front office, I'm with it. And look, you know, whether, you know, the analytics, it's done to death, and Deep Podesta was a baseball guy. Look, it, you know, they're, you know, 60% on their way. Yes. And, you know, with the money they have and the picks, you know, 12 more picks and, a hun- you know, almost $100 million and there are wide receivers available and it looks like there's going to be some quarterbacks available. Everybody just relax. And look, there's no difference between 2 and 14, 3 and 13 and 0 and 16. There's not. You're either a playoff team or you're not. And this is what I've learned from you know, my jet days. Steven, an absolute blast having you tonight. Um, we're gonna have to find a way to get this part two done quick. Uh, part two, uh, part two done quick, or part two, you know, maybe from the the movie fame. I'm but uh, yeah, I, I know you are. Hopefully, they are. <laughs> um, we have some fun stuff that we didn't even get to tonight. We're, we're gonna bust it up with some Cheers references soon enough. But we've already gone 35 minutes. Uh, maybe we'll make Stephen a you know one night a week guest, buddy. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, my friend. Go Browns, everybody. Yep. Locked on Browns. Guys, bye week shenanigans. Dane Drugler tomorrow. We got Mark Schofield coming on Friday. A bunch of fun stuff for you guys. Please keep listening. We will get this team where it needs to be. Good night, everybody.